0: Gospel of Luke, beginning uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 22, if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles. Let me read for us. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And... What I love about this story is these two characters that don't really show up anywhere else, Simeon and Anna, they give us this picture. They are this bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if we kind of break down what's happening in their lives and in their ministry, we realize that there are a lot of things about them that are similar to the prophets of the Old Testament and the way God worked in the Old Testament. But they also, as they exist at this this right on the brink of Jesus' earthly ministry, they also are in a way the first fruits of the new thing that God. Is doing. The letter to the Hebrews uh, opens with saying that that in the past God spoke to the forefathers of the Israelites at many times and in various ways, but in these last days He has spoken by His Son. And this passage represents that shift. It represents that moment in history when God began to change the way He interacted with humanity, and it gives us this little. Piece of the in between, the before and the after, the Old Testament in the new, the old way of doing things in the new, the way without the Christmas story in the way with the Christmas story, and as such, it can teach us a lot about what our relationship with God is meant to look like. So first. Let's look at, um, in ver- starting in verse 25 with the story of Simeon. Now, we don't know much about him. We just know he was in Jerusalem. It doesn't even say uh, whether or not he, he lived there. But we know he was righteous and devout. We know he he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, although all Israel was was waiting for that. But in some way, he was different. And one of those ways that we see was that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then it goes on and it tells us about this revelation he received from the Holy Spirit. Now, when I think about Simeon and I think about his life, I can't help but contrast his story with the story of Moses. And there's a number of things that make them similar, but also a number of things that make them different. What's similar is that the Spirit of God comes upon them and gives them a unique and particular and specific message about what God is doing and will do in their lives. They are both prophets, they both hear from the Lord. But there's a couple things that are very different. The first is that when Moses was given prophecies, it was for the entire nation of Israel, it was for for Pharaoh, for the entire land of Egypt. The prophecies that were given to Moses had significance for thousands of people and they were meant to be shared with thousands of people now of course after Luke recorded it and after it was uh, Simeon's prophecy was recorded in the most widely distributed and printed book of all time many have since heard this prophecy but in the moment it was given just to him the prophecy that was given to him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah was given just to him and we have no evidence that he shared it with anyone and perhaps he shared it with a few close friends or family members we, we don't really have any idea but we do know that there's no record of it being shared with all of the people of Israel if it had been Jesus's earthly ministry probably would have gotten off to a better start right if Simeon was viewed In the same way that Moses was, if he was seen as a prophet and leader of the people, then when this story happened, you can bet the chief priests would have been taking note of that. They probably would have asked Mary and Joseph to move to Jerusalem so that they could begin teaching and training this new Messiah in their ways, which obviously would not have been the right thing because Jesus spent an awful lot of his ministry condemning the way they did things. So his prophecy wasn't for the masses like Moses. Another thing that's interesting to me is that if you remember, Moses prophesied about how the people of Israel would take and receive the promised land. But because of his disobedience, he was able to look on the promised land but not enter it. Moses' punishment was that he would look and see the deliverance for his people See the promise, but not enter it. That was his punishment. Simeon's blessing was that he would, with his eyes, witness and see the promised Messiah. Now, this passage takes place about 40 days after Jesus was born. He is still an infant. He is still a newborn. He is a tiny, little, just noisy mess of a person that's just little tiny baby can't there's nothing about what he will be like as an adult that you could tell looking at him as a child this isn't the story of Jesus in the temple when he stays behind and his parents lose him and he's discussing things with the priests and they're amazed by his understanding and his answers this is This is Jesus, 40 days old. And Simeon, after experiencing this, says, now I can depart in peace. So he sees Jesus as an infant, but he doesn't see him as a leader. He doesn't see him as a preacher. He doesn't see him as a healer or as a Messiah or any of those things that Jesus would go on to be. He only sees them as an infant. He sees the Messiah, but he doesn't, experience his messiahship on the earth. So isn't it interesting that Moses's, Moses's, we have any English majors? Moses, Moses, now now I'm just never going to get it. The punishment of Moses is, now I'm going to have to say it again because you were laughed. The punishment of Moses is the blessing of Simeon the punishment of seeing but not experience becomes the blessing of getting to see. And I, I believe that in itself is one of the first fruits. One of the first fruits of the new covenant, of the new testament, of the new way that God is doing things. It's this beginning of a new depth of sight for the people of of God, that Simeon didn't need to see all of the things that Jesus would do as an adult. He witnessed God incarnate. He witnessed God incarnate. Have you ever had a uh, ever had an issue with? with something in your house, whether it's plumbing or or electrical, and, and you tried to figure it out, but you just couldn't get it, and it was so frustrating, and it was so stressful, and you eventually had to call an expert, and when they arrived, even before the problem begins to be fixed, you begin to experience some peace, right? Have you ever had a problem that you didn't know how to fix, but an expert showed up? Or maybe when you were a kid, Kids, have you ever been scared of anything? Brooklyn, have you ever been scared of anything? Caleb, do you get scared? Sometimes. Sometimes. When you're a kid and something is scary, the presence of your parent makes a much bigger difference to how you feel than whether or not the problem is solved or the danger is removed. See, and that's what Simeon is beginning to experience is he knows with absolute confidence that if God has come to be with us in human form, that the problem is solved. The details haven't been worked out yet, but the problem is solved. And so as as believers, as Christians, as participants in the new covenant that also needs to inform the way we pray and experience life that we don't start having peace when God solves our problems we start having peace when our problems encounter the living God when we go to prayer and we give God authority in our circumstances we say, God, I've got this situation and it's a mess and I've been arguing with this person or fighting or this or that. And we say, God, I just, I give you authority. We say, God, I've been struggling with my finances and I give you ultimate authority to bring discipline in my life and to lead me into stewarding my money the way you would. I, I give you authority in the way that I speak to my wife and my kids. I give you authority in the way I operate at work. when we bring him into that, when we step out of the way, that the same thing is to happen in us. The comfort comes before the solution. Simeon is radically different from Moses, even though so many things about them seem to be the same. It goes on, and we also talk about this prophetess, Anna, who was uh, married for a few years before she was widowed and then she just devotes her life to ministry. We don't again we don't know anything else about her. We know that that she was in the temple constantly. So we would presume that the religious leaders had some idea of who she was. Maybe, although the religious leaders then didn't really give a lot of uh, of authority or thought to the women that worshipped in the temple, they weren't allowed to worship in the same places, so so maybe they knew who she was, but she certainly wasn't a figure of any standing or prominence or or importance in the temple. We just know that she was there and she worshipped, and she also comes up and recognizes Jesus and gives thanks to God for him. The biggest shift, I believe, in this passage that we see is that God begins to speak not only through very small numbers of individuals to very large numbers of people. In the Old Testament, that's, that's generally what we see is prophets who went to to very large groups of people, to all of the nation of Israel. Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh, which was an enormous, enormous city. We see small numbers of people hearing from and speaking the words of God to large numbers of people who just have to listen. But then all of a sudden with these two, we see the beginning of something new and different. That people receive messages, receive a word from God, they hear from God for themselves and for just a small, limited group of people. And not people of power, right? When we think of, of, well, there's a couple you know places in the Old Testament where people receive specific prophecies for them, and it's usually to kings and leaders and very important, prominent people whose decisions affect the lives of thousands of other people. We see this this shift that rather than God projecting huge messages from one person to entire nations, he begins to speak in smaller voices to smaller people in smaller circumstances. Now, the defining characteristic of a prophet, or at least one of the prerequisites, something that's always attached, is what we see here in the story of Simeon, that he he was influenced by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. We also see later in the New Testament, we begin to see this shift in language of rather than the Spirit coming upon people and then almost always leaving them, we see this image, and we understand that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Now that's not a scientific difference, right? We don't need to go and, and, and diagram you know outside versus inside because we're talking about spiritual realities. The, the most important thing there is is the significance and the type of relationship. The language the language shifts because we are not given the Holy Spirit temporarily for certain times and in certain places. We are given the Holy Spirit permanently to walk with us all the days of our lives. And so the things that are going on in the lives of these people in the Old Testament, occasionally, when the Spirit was upon them, are the sorts of things that... that can be going on in us on a regular basis. Now, does that mean that on, on any given day, every single person in this room should march down to the state capitol as Moses marched before Pharaoh and just walk into the Senate chamber and begin pronouncing judgments and, and commands of God to the legislators? No. Please don't do that. Right? That's not Because we're called to something different. Rather than one person, like Moses, going to Pharaoh to affect the entire nation, God is now speaking through individuals. Smaller stories. Everyone involved. There's certain things that we do in church that I think overall are good, but sometimes we can begin to get the wrong idea. One of them is is how things are set up on Sunday morning. Now I stand up here, our worship team stands up here. Not because we're the ones doing and you're the ones watching. And we have better lights up here than over there, not because we're more important, but our worship team is up here not to give a performance for you. In fact, all of us, if we're going to use the word performance, are here to give a performance to the Father. If you've ever been to a Broadway show that has a pit, you'll have the stage, the orchestra is below it. And at the front of the orchestra, where he can look down to the the musicians and up to the stage is the conductor. The conductor is lit up. The conductor is lit up so the band can see him. The individual members of the orchestra are not lit up because then the audience would be able to, to see them. And they're meant to see what's on stage. right? But the conductor is lit up so that the members of the orchestra can see his direction. Our worship team functions as a conductor, in this place, but you are giving the performance as much as they are before him. We light the worship team to lead you as we perform for him. And I'm lit up because it makes it easier for you to look at me instead of looking at your neighbor, to see my ridiculous facial expressions. I stand a little bit elevated so you can see me again and be focused, not because I'm more important or anything like that. I'm not here to perform, though. And I've been to school and I have a master's degree, which means I, objectively speaking, know more than some of you. There's a lot of you in here that know more than I do. But I've studied, and that makes me a little more qualified sometimes to share. And you pay me a salary so that I can be fully devoted to this, and I can spend the week in prayer and in the Word and in study and not have to worry about doing something else. That that certainly helps to come up here and talk every week, but... But ultimately, most of what I say, and definitely the best things that I say, don't come from me. They don't come from the fact that I've been to school and to grad school. They don't even come because I have more time during the week to devote to sermon prep. The last few weeks, actually, I've had a sermon written and then... um, Pastor Isabel and I and and just a couple others have been getting together for prayer and just kind of praying for the service and I'm developing some things in myself and, and just seeking what God has and the last three weeks more of my sermon has come out of that prayer time than has come from hours and hours of study and brainstorm and writing things out and trying to make good points. And that's... That is exclusively, exclusively the spirit. The the most impactful things I say are never me, they're never my education, they're never, it's always pure revelation. Which is available to me in equal measure as to what's available to you. So sure, there may be some things that if you or someone you know has some questions about the Bible or theology that myself or some of the other ordained pastors or some of our, our other just members of our church that have been to seminary and study can, can answer better than some of you. But when there's someone that you know that's hurting or broken, that needs hope and no, needs peace, no amount of classes will tell any of us what an individual person needs to hear. Because no amount of classes, none of my professors had the ability to see the hearts of your friends and coworkers. No commentary that I read has the ability to see the hurt and the pain and the wounding of the person that you're praying for and want to invite to church. So yes, I stand up here and I preach most Sundays. Caleb is very devoted to cleanliness. Most Sundays I stand up here and preach. Because that's, that's my calling, that's my anointing. But that by no means implies that I'm the only person here who can hear from God And speak on his behalf. Now everybody's different. I'm not saying that we should all be the same. Or anything like that. We all hear from God in different ways. We have different strengths. Different weaknesses. But but the New Testament is an invitation. Into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The new covenant that we have. The new reality is that even children can speak on behalf of the Father. Even children can be moved by the Spirit to pray for someone, to speak a word of encouragement in just the right way. It doesn't matter your age, your education. It doesn't matter how comfortable you are talking to people. It doesn't matter how how eloquent you are. God will use you and speak through you. And we hear... We hear things and we see things that make us believe that everything has to be this enormous big deal. We see people on TV or advertised as being being prophets and that's what they do all the time and and we get intimidated by that and, and we feel like the people who hear from God must be the ones doing really big things and we're not called to do really big things so that must not be for us, but... I would encourage you to open your voice to allow God to tell you small things, quiet things, little things that may seem of little consequence. But Christianity is not a spectator sport. The only one the only one watching, if you want to use the sports metaphor, really the only one who is in any way involved in Christianity, the only one who's remotely, you can make any case, is on the sidelines, is Jesus, as he has gone to prepare a place for us and sent us in his stead. Not that he's not active, not that he's not involved... But if there's any case that can be made for someone to be on the sidelines instead of in the action, it's not the introverts of the church, it's the Savior who has empowered us through the Spirit to do the work for Him. We'll keep the basketball metaphor going. On a basketball team, there's a variety of positions. If you know anything about basketball, you know it would be ridiculous for someone to say, well, I'm not tall, so I have nothing to offer. Or I'm not fast and nimble, so I have nothing to offer. Any good basketball team has tall guys by the basket and shorter guys out on the wings. And in the church, there's a whole lot more positions to play. Infinitely more. So even if, and hopefully this is no one here, but it has to be said, even if you feel that you have nothing to offer, there is a place for you and there is a purpose for you. That I, I've been, I've been gifted with the ability to speak publicly. It, it, my whole life, it's, it's been that way. In high school, when I took speech, whenever our speech teacher would say, "I need volunteers for impromptu speeches," you're going to come to the front. I'm going to give you a prompt, and you're going to talk about it for four minutes. I, would, <laughs> I was always the first one to raise my hand. I love doing it. There's, there's pastors that say, "Like, I really hate public speaking, and God, you know, empowers me to do it." That, just all honesty, that's not me. I love, I love public speaking. There's a lot of reasons for that it comes easier to me than, than communicating one-on-one. I enjoy doing this and I am so blessed that I get to do something that comes naturally to me. I'm thankful for that. And you might sit there and say, that's absolutely not me. If I, if I get in front of three people, all of a sudden, everything just shuts down in my mind and in my mouth. You might say, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't speak eloquently, I can't put sentences together in a way that makes sense. But do you realize there's people that have heard way too many sales pitches from a person like me? There are people that have heard way too many eloquent, confident who ended up not being honest or trustworthy that that my voice is the last thing that they need to hear. And maybe in your gospel presentation, your just explanation of what God means to you, where you're fumbling over your words and stuttering and stammering and saying words from other languages, and it doesn't make any sense, somewhere in that they can see truth and honesty. That they wouldn't be able to see, or else. Simeon and Anna give us this picture of where God was headed. That prophets didn't have to be a big deal. They didn't have to speak these huge predictions of future events that would come true thousands of years later. He wanted to speak in people's lives. He wanted to encourage a young mother and father who were 40 days in to the most terrifying thing any of us do in our lives, where we have no idea if we're doing it right, and that's for those of us who are not raising the Messiah, and he gives them some peace. walk around, look for a full parking lot, go into any large building with automatic doors on the front of it, and I guarantee you, within 10 minutes you probably find a mom or a dad who could use a little piece. I look for opportunities in stores for parents that are disheveled their kids are running around like crazy. And I don't walk up and say, I know your kids are are climbing the stack of chairs in the aisle, but do you have a few minutes to talk about how Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins? I don't say that. But I will walk by and say, Man, you're doing great Offer a word of encouragement. A word of peace, a word of comfort. As led, of course. Yeah. Little things, little words, in vast amounts, in volume of people, are how God builds his kingdom. Small voices, small conversations, small circumstances. A little bit at a time is the way that he works. And you get to be a part of that. And as always, I don't say these things to put pressure on you. It's an invitation. It's just an invitation. To open ourselves up continuously, more and more, myself included, to be a part of the story. Let's pray. Father, uh, we love to read the stories in the Old Testament of these people who just did huge and enormous things and, and David and, and the giant and Moses going up against Pharaoh and just time and time again, these mighty, powerful, world-shaping works that people have talked about for thousands of years. But Jesus, when you came, you changed all that. And, and yes, you were a significant character in history, and yes, you changed so many things, but you changed them once for all. And yet again, in the gospel, strategy went out the window you spent a mere 3 years in ministry most books i read say pastors don't really start doing anything in a church until at least 3 or 4 years have passed and by that point you were already finished and and back with the father 3 years was all you spent And strategically, it really seems like it would have made sense to keep the star player in the game for a little bit longer. But that wasn't your plan. And in fact, you were the very last, you were the very last of the major figures in our Bible. And as soon as you left, all of a sudden, the, the one prominent figure was split into 12. And there were 12 leading. And that number just grew and grew and grew. And so, Lord, may we be a church that follows where you have led your church. That we're all at work, that we're all hearing, that we're all listening, we're all speaking Not in the same way, not in the same circumstances, but help us to learn what you have called us to do, what you have called us to hear, what you have called us to speak as individuals with unique experiences and voices and histories. We are called to serve in different ways, but in the same spirit and in the same power. I pray, Lord, that we be open to what you would do in our lives today, tomorrow, in the weeks to come. Help us see with your eyes realities that even strangers can't see themselves. Help us to identify circumstances. Brokenness, pain that isn't seen by others. Help us to affirm the value in other people that they can't see themselves. As we receive your words of peace and of comfort, may we pass them along to others in all that we do. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in your name. Amen.